Guys, we are back. Welcome to season two of In Her Shoes, the podcast where we are discovering the women behind the titles. On today's episode, the first episode of the season, you'll get to hear from Sarah Thomas and Jana Müller-Wieland, both Olympic medalists. We get into it, the path to the Olympics and beyond. These women have taken something incredibly special and channeled it into their successful business, Unthink. If you're looking for some inspiration this week as you think about 2024 and what you want to achieve, you're going to want to listen to this episode. I walked away feeling inspired, empowered and ready to make moves. I hope you do too. Let's get into the conversation. Both of our first Olympics, we actually played each other in the first game. Who won again? I knew you were going to say that. Yana, Sarah, welcome to In Her Shoes. Thank you so much for being here. Pleasure. Thank you for having us here. I'm so excited for the conversation. We're in a room of uh, unthinkers right now. I'm going to keep saying uh, <laughs> that that title and people will understand why. But you guys have created something pretty spectacular. And I can't wait to just understand the build of it, the growth of it and what you guys are doing. But you're also Olympians. <laughs> you're Olympic medalists. I'm feeling a little bit uh, inferior <laughs> here. This is pretty awesome. Why is my question, like, what was it in your early years that led you both to be Olympians? It's a great question, isn't it? I think for me, I think there were some things kind of already instinctively within me. So to give an example, I would come home from school every day. Sounds really embarrassing now, but I would run around the block and I would time myself. And the next day I'd come home and I'd do the same loop and time myself and I'd have to get quicker every day. And there's my mum and dad, like, never really done sport and uh, what on earth is she doing? You know, it's just like that instinct of it. And then other bits are just like, yeah, just the excitement and fascination, I guess, with every sport, absolutely every single sport out there. So yeah, I think that's kind of how it started, I guess, for me. How did you narrow down kind of the sport that you that you kind yeah. of then eventually won the medal in? And how was yeah. it, uh, you, did it manifest itself in failing at maybe some and being good at others? Yeah, I, I did every sport when I was little. Like, honestly, I was a fanatic about everything, like from cricket, rugby, football, gymnastics, everything. But then I was 13, actually, when I first picked up, like, a, this wooden stick. And my school didn't even play hockey. It was just some random day where the teacher pulled out these wooden sticks and said, right, off you go to the red grass. That's how long ago it was. And I don't know what happened, but maybe I scored some goals or something. But then from that on, I was, like, obsessed with it. And I remember going home and bugging my parents to take me to the local hockey club and... My dad's like, oh, I don't know, I don't know. And I can remember it so vividly. We went to Chepstow on the weekend and we went into this small shop and like, my family didn't have a lot of money and an only child, I actually didn't even ask for a lot of things. I remember seeing this luminous pink, neon pink Slazinger <laughs> hockey stick. I can see it now. And um, I, my mum was like, oh, do you like it? And I was like, well, yeah, it's nice. And then I heard her go out of the shop and speak to my dad. My dad always stands outside of shops. And um, she said to him, so what do you think? And he's like, oh how bloody long is she going to stick at this sport for now? And I heard that and I was like, right, that's it. I'm going to show him. So wow. that was probably an instigator actually for me to to keep at hockey. Yeah. Gosh. And so that was the early years and you played hockey for your early years for sure. And then how did that manifest itself into heading towards the Olympics? I mean, for me, it went really quickly from there. Okay. So within six months of picking up a hockey stick I played for Wales under 16 wow. so yeah it was it was really quick so um, you're good then basically um, you're pretty, pretty good. Yeah. I, I was fast at the time I was fast you know um but then but then equally when I was 16 I played for the senior team and and things like you know went in a real positive upward trajectory for a long time and then it kind of hit a plateau I guess around 21 22 because mm. now I've kind of played for Wales seniors for a number of years 
I was at Exeter University and had an academy sponsorship there. And then it was kind of like, right, what's next? And it's like that leap, I guess, from Wales to Great Britain is significantly different, I guess, for a Welsh player and, and a Scottish player. You know, of the squad we had, what, 32 girls eventually, and there was three Scots and one Welsh person. So, you know, it gives yeah. you kind of indicator of what that looks like. And so it hit that threshold, I guess, where I was like, right, how am I going to get into this or not? And and for me, it ended up moving to the Netherlands and playing at Rotterdam, which is a whole other story. Meant to be there for one year, ended up being there for close to 10. And oh, my gosh. Yeah, lots of, lots of different things in, in how that happened and trying to just settle in, I guess, in, yeah. a, in a whole new world. <laughs> Did um, that kind of growth trajectory, would you say that was driven by you or were there elements around you, uh, factors that contributed to that growth? I think I honestly loved playing hockey. Like, I think that's the only way I can, I, I just wanted to get better all the time. Like, you know, that's the beauty of a sport, right? You don't know how to play it until you fail at it and you learn how to do it. And then you just hone it. Like, that's the beauty of it. So I guess for me, it was just oh, curious how to learn new skills. I had um, like a mixed hockey club at Dallas um, Ladies Hockey Club. They were actually guys who used to train with us and I would want to compete with them and train with them. And so it was always this kind of curiosity and just, I don't know, I just absolutely loved it. I remember like I would, Monday night we trained and it was valleys, rain all the time. Yeah. <laughs> and it I always literally, rains. always <laughs> rains, <laughs> always <laughs> rains. And I remember going outside and I would always put my hand outside and, mum, the rain's getting better, you know, it's, it's easing off and, you know, can we go and I just yeah I just loved it so I think all of that curiosity determination showing up compound interest effect of that over time helped but then I guess um yeah there were you know I can't deny the fact that without my parents and my family around me it would never have happened because yeah. you know back in the day you know a, a tracksuit was 150 pounds yes. like to go to camps was cost every weekend like you know and you know, I actually ended up doing my dissertation on it. Why do players from Wales drop out quicker than those from England? And ultimately, financial factors were, were an instigator in that. And so, yeah, without that support from my network and my family and the, and the hockey club and, you know, just pushing all of that, they, none of it would have ever happened. I probably would have dropped off like some other really skillful and amazing hockey players who, who went, unfortunately, by the wayside. Wow. Yeah. Gosh, it's such a powerful story. Anna, was it kind of the same for you in, in your early mm. years and your... I guess, trajectory towards the Olympics. Yeah. Well, same, same, but different. So I started playing when I was really young compared to Sarah. So I started when I was six. Okay. But again, in the UK, I feel like they often start later because that's when you start playing it at school. Yes. But in Germany, I finished school every day at like 25 past 1 p.m. <laughs> so I had, like in Germany, it was this different system of yeah. you do school and then you do whatever you want to do, whether that's music or sports. So I just joined a club really early because my mum used to play when she was younger. And then I've got an older brother. So when he was old enough to start playing a sport, my mum just didn't want him to play football. So she <laughs> said, where's the next <laughs> hockey club to just, you know, get him into that environment? And then as a younger sister, you just tag along, right? And yeah. you just by the sideline and um, the youngest age group you were allowed to play. Was, there was, a you know, an offer for was um, six. So I started at that age. And again, like Sarah, actually also like any sport, you know, I would always be outside, hockey, tennis, football, anything, or like climbing up trees, like really... <laughs> just anything <laughs> um yeah so I think that and, and then at some point for me the decision was more like is it tennis or hockey okay and then I was just it was pretty clear like I want to do team sport and, and tennis was nice but it's also yeah it's a bit lonely right and I just yeah. always prefer the team bit so yeah just gradually got more like and I think for yourself as well you never or we never made that decision when I was young I want to become a first team player or a national team player you didn't even think that far you just like you just love chasing a ball around, doing it with your friends. 
and you just almost don't notice yet you're actually quite good and you get better and then suddenly you, you get to county and then to under 16 under 18 and obviously you enjoy it and you get more ambitious and you feel like there's you know there's something in there um so i just moved up the the ranks basically until my first olympics in 2008 and i was actually the youngest then as well in the national team but it's yeah you always worked hard for it but it's kind of i know i, I remember in my club we didn't our first women's team mm. wasn't in the first league i didn't even know we had one so when I was a young girl, I was like, oh, can I maybe be assistant of the first men's team? Or, oh, mommy, puppy, do you think I'll ever play in the first men's team? And they're like, no, you know, but I didn't have that role model. I didn't have this picture of vision. I thought this could be something because they were never in the Bundesliga, which they are now. And like, and when I got the threat age, we promoted and we stayed there for such a long time and did really, really well. But it wasn't like that North Star, but like yourself, right? Yeah. Like, yeah, so it's, it's kind of nice because I think we, if you, it's more sustainable if you start because you're, you just enjoy it and you just There's have passion. fun and you yeah. want to get better but in a, in a healthy way and not like again not parents like not a tennis parent who are like you have to go now do yes. this you can be better um they i think they supported me and they nudged me like when i would have maybe given in like or oh, this girl on the team was mean i'll stop i'm not going to go to training they'd mm. be like yeah of course you go to training but in in a healthy way right and yes. so it's um yeah i think we've we've both been really lucky with our environment that made it happen but never pushed us to. It was a real nurture environment. And I feel like almost that's played dividends for you guys as you've navigated your careers and then gone on yeah. to achieve such great things. For me, I think, you know, specifically with my dad, he, yeah, he was very nurturing, but he was also very honest. Mm. He would tell me, you know, he, would, he wouldn't sugarcoat things. If I came off and had a bad game, he would tell me or I did something wrong. And it's really funny, there's a, there's a story from when I was much younger in my childhood, like I remember I smashed this vase and it was like a family vase, you know? <laughs> and no one was in the room at the time, but my dad kind of walked in and it was on the floor smashed. And I was just kind of thinking, what do I do here, you know? And I remember my dad saying to me, look, I don't care if you smash the vase. What I care about is if you tell me the truth, you know? And this kind of feeling of honesty and integrity, I guess yes. was instilled from the start. So this ability to, didn't go as well today I'm, I'm quite self-reflective and know when things haven't gone well also but I think it came from that you know this ability mm. to he would hold the mirror up to me as well as nurture me you know and let me know when I should have done something differently but but in a good way in a great yeah. so how did you guys balance all of the training and the investment that you had to put into the sport alongside education was there conflict in your mind were you equally interested in education as you were in well, I feel like it's <laughs> <laughs> a rhetorical uh, question yeah how, how did you feel about that though uh well so f yeah for me it was I think it was kind of clear, clear you may have to make this work yeah. if you want to do both and again probably this also gave gives any athlete really that trade-off like being very efficient like amazing time management because you know I only have this half an hour to do my homework now because I, then I want to play so actually we yeah often got picked up from school in the car on the way to the next training county training and in the car my mom gave me some food i would just like eat try to do some homework do that and then it's it's i kind of always worked out and again it's probably very much the way we work today as well we get so much done in such a quick time yeah because it kind of had to and also had a really good quality like the more and i realized in uni the more time i did have to study the, the worse i was like i needed that kind of pressure of time pressure as well um so that kind of worked and I never got to that point where I got so bad in school my parents had to have that conversation yes. of like you know this is not going to work out but I also kind of unfortunately knew that I probably will get into uni somewhere through sports with a little bit of you know I didn't have to have the best A-levels yeah to the detriment of my parents they're like 
yeah, why don't you study a little bit for it? And I was like, oh, yeah, I'll be fine, you know. <laughs> but I knew I didn't want to do medicine where you need, like, straight A's um, and kind of went through school. But I remember I went to the Junior World Cup while I was still in school and missed a lot of time doing school as well. And then actually I got from the German sports funding, they support you and they, they pay like a tutor tutor for you to catch up on because I had math, advanced math. So okay. if you miss a lot of time there, like you have to put that, those extra hours in, but if you know that this is the price you have to pay to yeah. be able to travel the world and do these amazing things while you're still in school, like it's, I think everyone would say that that's a, a fair deal. In the fast paced rhythm of life, every moment counts. I know we're all navigating through the challenges of a demanding day, from meetings to team requests, to keeping up with group chats, to dinner plans, staying in touch with family and everything in between. Amidst the chaos, we need our secret weapon. Huel, your meal in a bottle. These bottles are not just shakes, they're moments of efficiency and goodness. It's the perfect companion for any woman on the go, for the women who lead and those who demand more from each moment. Huel's ready-to-drink shakes, because every sip should empower your story. Let's get back to the episode. Yeah, I, I was different to you. I was <laughs> definitely more conscientious, I think. I was. I guess hard work has always been instilled into me, and I guess um, there were certain things I just wasn't very good at, like math, geography, mm. do not come to me for any of those things. But, you know, things I found enjoyment in, like history and psychology later on in my studies, like... I loved you know and then I was getting really high scores because of that but it's really funny you mentioned about missing out on things because I remember actually I didn't get my A-level results my mum did so I was in South Africa on on a trip uh, with hockey Wales hockey and I remember mum having to call me and I was like all right okay how have I done you know (laughs) mum had the experience of going to get A-level results so I had to get my driving test done and it was like a cancellation just before I left for South Africa and so all of these things you just had to manage them in a completely different way I guess you know because there was lots of other moving parts happening at the same time and all of which were important right Yeah. yeah you mentioned kind of the psychology piece there where you went on to study psychology Mm. do you feel that during the studies or after the studies there was a real interest in it because there's a um a link between kind of psychology sport um and you know the the way that our minds work yeah i think so i I really psychology i started doing for my a levels and it was the first introduction i'd ever had to it and i just grabbed onto it immediately for everything right like you know from mental health disorders to how clouds were like everything was in this psychology component but then yeah i took that a little bit further in terms of when i went to exercise i studied exercise and sports science and with that there was a large component of sports psychology as well so at the time it, it was difficult where i came from pretty sure I'm the only person from school who went to university really? and and there was no guidance I, I might have had a careers advisor and they, you know but they didn't really know me and I didn't really know what I wanted so it was a case of you don't know what you don't know and so I ended up just going to Exeter honestly because I went to Loughborough and I had a scholarship in Loughborough, Brunel and Exeter I went to Loughborough and someone showing us around made a, a, a sneaky joke about a Welsh person I said right I'm not going there and so I went to Exeter and that was my decision <laughs> that's how it was made how I went to university yeah. so you know not the best suggestion looking back but Exeter was the right thing for me and and kind of going there I had a wonderful time but yeah I didn't really know going into and coming out of university what on earth I was going to do in my life wow yeah it's interesting. So then you've kind of gone from university. Yeah. You didn't really know what, no. where you were going to land, but where did you land? Back in the valleys, back in Merthyr Tidville, living at home again. Yeah. Refusing to go on the dole. Like, yeah. There's a funny story where, you know, genuinely they called up and said, right, we found your job. Bring your steel toe caps tomorrow. And I was like, <laughs> what? 
<laughs> like genuinely, I was like, Dad, no, 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 no. Like, you know, it was, yeah, what on earth am I going to do yeah. now, right? Um, and actually, I found myself uh, working at solicitors. And I was a disability sport development officer for the local borough, which was a fantastically rewarding job. But yeah, I ended up at the solicitors following that. And I just remember being sat there thinking, what am I going to do? Like, mm. uh, am I you know I'm traveling back and forth to Bristol because that was the closest club in terms of hockey so that was twice a week I had to go to Cardiff every other evening like my mum would make me beans and toast when I go home at 10 p.m and go again like it was just insane and I'm like right what am I gonna do like am I gonna really try and go for hockey because as Yana mentioned it was never like right let's try and get to an Olympics but it was kind of a bridge I guess a fork in my life and I remember sitting down honestly wrote a list of like positives negatives of like doing hockey or not and there was one or two more things on a positive list and just by coincidence uh, a girl I knew from hockey kind of said look Rotterdam have got an opening for like a forward midfielder do you want to come and trial and I was like yeah I guess so and yeah that's that that's a whole nother story in terms of the trial but yeah so that was the move then as you made the shift yeah 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 and again me being conscientious I go to Rotterdam thinking right here I am sticks on my back I'm ready to play hockey it's Friday and um the coach guys amazing guy was like right off you go out with the girls what like I I didn't even drink alcohol I still really don't like I was so studious like everything was about you know being hockey 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 and so I was like what do you mean go out with the girls like when are we playing hockey anyway Friday evening went out with the girls midnight thought we were going home we were actually leaving for the party and I was like what is happening (laughs) like you know (laughs) I literally was like I'm in a whole new I am out of my comfort zone yeah go home at 5 a.m like I was like this is not good preparation to play hockey tomorrow anyway diligently turned back up the hockey club um coach says right have some lunch I'm like is this guy joking like you know what is actually what's going on like and I was like oh they've just you know this is just a joke I'm nothing real is going to happen from this and then Sunday Turned up the hockey club again, almost like losing the will that something would happen. He's like, right, off you go, get your kit on. And it was like half a pitch, not even a full pitch with the girls playing. And I was like, is this a joke? And so we played genuinely for 30 minutes. And I came off the pitch and he said, here's your contract. And I said, I literally was like, but you've not seen me play. I don't need to. I see that you can fit in with the girls, that you're going to add value to the environment. And you've got the mindset we need. And wow. that was it. Mm, and, I, and that changed a lot for me in my life because until that point, it'd been hard work, hard work, hard work. It has to do it one way. Yeah. It doesn't work the other way. And that really started to open up my perspective and widen the lens on, yeah, the art of the possible, I guess, in terms of becoming my best self. It, it was kind of a different way of uh, thinking about how you yeah. get something. And mm-hmm. in a similar way, we talk about getting job interviews and typically you don't need to always follow that traditional mm-hmm. path of yeah. uh you know sending in your cv and yeah. uh, yeah. uh like applying for linkedin jobs maybe yeah. think about something a different yeah, way and actually you could still get a better if yeah. not yeah a better outcome yeah yeah it took someone external to me to help me realize that right because i hadn't had that guidance i hadn't had that support like no one in my family had been to university like there were there wasn't that kind of guidance or network around that so yeah this guy telling me right here's your contract off you go and then and then actually leaving the UK to actually go and and then realize on the plane like hold on a minute what am I doing here right I know nobody and I landed and I got there and I walked in if you know Dutch houses the steps are really weird particularly for a small person and trying to get up these steps and I was like where am I living and they were like mice in the house and rain dropping in on a thing and there was the black bag of clothes of the girl who just let moved out and I was like 
what have I done? Mm. Like, I know nobody. And there was no internet. And I was just going to say, it was before WhatsApp, before yeah. email. Yeah, like, literally. Yeah. No internet. A letter and a fax. I didn't know anyone. I couldn't speak the language, right? Anyway, I found myself um, to the hockey club the next day. And then they were like, here's your bike. And I was like, oh my God. Like, <laughs> what, what, what am I doing? Like, it was just yeah, so far removed from everything I'd been living. Yeah. But I, I don't think there could have been a better experience for me. You know? Well, you said you stay there for 10 yes, years. Yes, exactly. It's kind of the environment whereby, you know, they, they give you tough love for the first year. They don't really believe as a foreigner you're going to invest in the club okay. and stay. And then you kind of stay for two, three years. And all of a sudden you see those friendships and relationships opening up. So don't get me wrong. The first six months are tough. I, I genuinely would wake up every day and, and remind myself, why am I year to go to an Olympic Games yeah. you've committed to this now this is what you're doing and and every day I would remind myself with that mantra and I'd cycle to the hockey club arms folded because it was so cold I'd coach five hours I'd play two and a half hours and this was it every single day and um and the six months were brutal like really brutal sitting in a room with no television and internet like I don't mm. even read much I don't know what I was doing <laughs> doing honestly and then um, but over time yeah you build like a friendship group and and yeah like just I'm actually randomly bumped into one of the girls in Marbella last week I haven't oh seen her for 15 gosh. years right and we kind of had the conversation and it kind of goes back to you know doing something you are passionate about with yes. people you love and being successful like there's no better thing than that you know? so this this was the stint that took you to the Olympic Games yeah exactly that so I think there was maybe a mindset of you know coming from Wales am I good enough to make the transition Um, and then actually when I got to Holland they do this kind of weird rating system in that you know two teams play each other then the opposition's coach rates the players and and one player gets 10 points one player gets five points basically of the opposition team in terms of who was the best players on the field and um and every kind of Sunday evening these numbers would be launched and I didn't even know what was going on but somehow you know I went to Holland because they're Olympic and world champions and at a time where they were hugely strong in the game. And um, yeah, all of a sudden I found myself fourth in the rankings. And I was like, what's happening here? You know, like I'm totally out of where I should be in my comfort zone. I'm playing in a league I should not be playing in. But all of a sudden I started realizing, yeah, no, I kind of am I'm making this happen for myself. You know, this isn't just luck anymore. I am making this happen. And the more relaxed I became with it, the more confident I became. And I think then it, I came back for some trials and I just remember even the videographer coming up to me and she was like do not change the way you were playing because oh. it brings so much to the team and I just realized there was something different about the way I played um which was yeah hugely exciting then so. and did that just I guess even those moments give you as you say the confidence to continue yeah. and um not I guess hone the craft yeah. but lean into it more without yeah. having any form of imposter syndrome yeah it did like I I can say you know in 2004-5 I would join the trainings and I would literally be passing the ball to someone and I would be like, oh God, I've seen her play a World Cup. I've seen, you know, and I'm mm. like, why am I you? Mm. You know, and I'd mistrap a ball and I'd go, see, I'm not good enough to be you. I'd, you know, my own affirmations would come true, right? And and I was just very subdued and quiet and I like to have fun and laugh and, you know, and, and then none of that was kind of coming out. And I guess the ability to go to Holland and play at Rotterdam under the guides of, Ga- of Gais and Fatima and the people there was kind of like, it just opened up everything. And I, when I came back, I remember... Walking in, I was laughing and joking. I was saying, it's really quiet, right? It was like almost silent because you're a pin drop. But, you know, other people now had this mindset of what if I miss trap? And I kind of got to the point, you know what? My, my mantra is always, my family was to love me. It's not that big. Like yes. some people in the world don't, yeah. don't even know that field hockey exists, yeah. right? Like, <laughs> let's just think about this. And the world is not going to end. It was yeah. not going to end. And, and just hopefully brought some of that fun and energy into the team. And, and you know what? It was a huge amount of fun and energy in the end as we went from Beijing into London, yeah. 
Oh, I mean, it was such a valuable asset because we always say, we talk about this, we saw each other the other day yeah. and the energy, I feel like when we first met, <laughs> yeah. it was just like electric and I loved the conversation. Everything we spoke about, I was like, can this just continue? And then it was the same the other day. Yeah. So I can uh, resonate with what you said there and I can only imagine. Yeah what your impact probably playing, but also just your personality was like yeah, um, was within the team. And Yana, for you, kind of going uh, through studying in university, what was that journey like towards the Olympics? Because for you, it was what, three times? Yeah, three times, not three times as a student, thank God. But <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, and so my first Olympics actually, 2008 in Beijing, I, I was studying in Dusseldorf in Germany at that time and for some reason, they only had yearly exams. Yeah. They were all in the summer. And they were all in August, and we were meant to fly to Beijing in the 1st of August. So I had to go to every single professor and say, "Wow, I'm not there, I'm going to the Olympics, which is obviously like a massive yeah. also honor, and for them as well as a uni, like we've got a student going. That's what you, a UK uni would think, a German uni would be like, why do you think you've got something better than, than my oh class, God. right? So they, every, everyone, literally everyone said, no, we can't like you can't, can't give you a different exam date. I can't give you the extra work instead oh of gosh. like it's something else. Yeah. Um, and one and one uh, professor even said, female professor, um, why should I give you like extra treatment unless you're pregnant? I was like, no, I just told you I'm going to the Olympics. I'm not pregnant, but it's like it's not. I'm going on holiday and having some cocktails. I'm I'm representing the country, <laughs> so that was tough because I missed the whole year of exams basically. But obviously, I still wanted to go to the Olympics, so. I did that and then came back and then the uni, Hamburg uni where I was from, I was from Hamburg and I heard heard about it and they said, well, if you come back to Hamburg uni, you can sign up in every year at the same time because I wanted to catch up. I, I just didn't want to like stay in uni a year longer than everyone else. That yes. would have killed me, right? I just want to get it done. So they said, you can come and if you sign up for anything you want, it's up to you, but we would make it happen. Like we would allow you to do it. So I moved back to Hamburg to try and do that. Because again, it would have killed me to stay in uni longer than everyone else. And literally was in the first, third and, and the fifth semester at the same time. Yeah. And yeah, just did the, yeah, two years and one basically. Uh, wow. And, and wrote all the exams. But again, the next year, obviously, it's not like after the Olympics, you've got a year off. You still have Europeans and Champions Trophies. And like, you're still doing all of that. But it's a little less, less big as Olympics. So again, I had to, I was able to write some on time. Some I had to do in the second exam date and some I had like extra work or like oral exams instead, which mm. are not always easier because <laughs> they're like, oh, they can really grill me now. Um, but I just wanted to pass. I didn't, again, I wasn't like, I, I need an A. I just wanted to get through it and have this in the back. And I managed to do that, um, yeah, in that year. And then just for my bachelor thesis, I dragged that out a little bit longer because I was like, I just need to be, yeah, free of, free of courses really. But yeah, so that was that was difficult. And again, it's not always everyone's helping you to have this dual career because some yes. are just like, well, my subject is the most important thing in the world. Why Lots would someone hurdles, think yeah. that sport is better? So, yeah. But on the other hand, a uni like Hamburg at that point was amazing, right? That's the kind of the environment you need. But uh, to this day, we've still got players in the team who really struggle with that, especially if you study for medicine where you actually have to do a lot on you know, examining dead bodies, right? Obviously, you can't do that from Argentina. Yeah, it's, it's, so it's, a, it's a really hard for everyone to have that dual career because I think it's great. So in Germany, we're not centralized like Team GB. Here would be basically together as a national team most mm. of the time. And we had the privilege to choose where do you want to live and study and play because our league is strong enough to play a really good, strong Bundesliga in your club and then come together for camp format. So it gives you a bit more flexibility to mm. have something else next to hockey, yeah. which again, for me, was really, really important to have that balance in life as well, because I, I, I'm more curious than just playing hockey. I love hockey, but it's I always needed that different side as well to this. So that's why I started 
was able to start working early at the same time or have yeah different life experiences or even I was able to go to Japan and play in Japan for a season which in other national team systems wouldn't have been an option but similar to Sarah that experience actually made me such a better player like person and therefore player as well right but it's for those coaches and, and yeah system like people in charge to understand like we we need to have these life experiences because that makes a better player we can't just learn things by heart and do the same thing we need to have yeah other experiences to grow as a as a person because ultimately that's what you need if you want to perform under pressure mm. right yeah but it's yeah so it's it's been a it's, it's been a, a fun few years and this definitely never was boring at all so yeah i will ask this you both played hockey and uh, did you did your paths ever cross yeah, just honestly, I just realised that we, of both of our first Olympics, we actually played each other in the first game. Who won again? Oh, I knew <laughs> you were going to say that. My defence is we've beaten them like 12, 15 months That's every single game before that. that. Funny Can't story, the rain that. was coming down so hard in that game. Yeah, One of my uh, my teammates, she's um, from a Kenyan or origin, and um, her mum called and said, do you think the game will go ahead? It's raining. She's like, mum, it's the Olympics. The game will go ahead. <laughs> but it was almost torrential. And uh, yeah, funny. Yeah, let's not mention the score. You're right. <laughs> That's that's for a different uh a different yeah, conversation exactly. yeah. <laughs> we can we can speak about it yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no yeah it's it's funny because uh, like obviously you know the players from other teams yeah but then sarah being welsh you only see them every four years and then you you hear about them or you see them in, in the lead up to that olympic year they can join like players great britain mm. but europeans or world cups you see england because yeah. Wales is not a, a team of that yes. so yeah it's an interesting one it's it's and again really difficult for you to only be allowed to be a part of it for every four years and in between have to play B division in Azerbaijan and yeah, yeah. you know it's on a level which is which is far beyond but it's yeah. it's your country yeah. right so it's yeah. um yeah again a, a tricky one for you but yeah special you both achieved so much kind of in your early years and in your young adult life how did that then transpire as you went into the world of work and what did you guys think about you know did you have a career path did you know what you wanted to be when you were older like what what did that look like for you because you know I, I put myself in your shoes and I think my god like this is awesome I've been to the Olympics I've achieved so much now what you know yeah. what happens mm -hmm. next yeah I know it's a big question isn't it I guess for me because I've been in Rotterdam and, and not had to be centralized the whole time enabled me to think about possibly what I might do and and the first natural instinct was to go off my degree mm. right because mm. again wasn't sure and so after Beijing my, my shirt number in Beijing was 18 and so after Beijing I set up fitness 18 but cliche but I've achieved my dream let's achieve yours so set up a personal training business which enabled me to do it around the hockey and, and was brilliant because I love meeting new people and like trying to support people to, to become better and do even more than they're already doing but no I still at this point thought yeah I didn't know what was going to happen right and truly after London when I decided right that's enough I'm retiring and my dad joked, you know, time to get a real job now. I was like, yeah, what's that real job going to be, you know? And, and ended up in a startup. I thought, yeah, startups sound cool and fun. Let's do that. And then within like a couple of weeks, I was like, oh my goodness. Like people talk over each other in meetings. People are late for meetings. Like, and just, I'd been in this high performance environment for like 18 years by this point, And it was nothing like that. You know, it was like going back 10 years in time. So quite quickly I had to work out, right, you know, where am I going to fit? What, what's going to look well for me? But I think life has a way of helping you out in terms of mm. finding those things, you know. And um, yeah, luckily for me, I found my path towards kind of what we do now, I guess. What you mentioned there kind of about the high performance piece, which is 
you live, breathe and operate in a high performance environment. And then you come into, mm. whether it's a corporate world or the startup world, can you just explain a little bit about the differences that you saw? Because I think that that's such an important part yeah, of, you know, our everyday lives. And actually, I think there's so much we can learn from sport, team sports, yeah. um, and how you apply yeah. those to work. Yeah, for sure. I think a couple of things for me, I know interesting to get your point, but it's um, when you are in a team sport, like everyone's driven towards that goal. Like they're all in, right? There's a ruthless focus to what we're trying to achieve here. Now, don't get me wrong, that doesn't mean you all have to be best friends, but mm. it does mean you have to respect people and trust people in order to achieve that. I think noticeably for me going into organizations, not everyone's all in. Yes. You know? And actually some people are there just to work and go home and that's absolutely fine. But I hadn't been privy to that before. You know, I'd kind of got into the mindset of we're all into this, right? And we're all going to dry. Oh no, that's not the case. So that was quite interesting. And I think the second thing for me, and, and I still did see it to this day, is like honest feedback. Like mm. we would get feedback as athletes every 15 minutes, you know, whether that's through video, whether it's verbal, through a teammate, through a coach. Someone like Someone just shouting at you. Someone shouting in your <laughs> face, yeah. Like non whatever it is. But that feedback is consistent. And I guess, you know, at worst in organizations, it's an annual performance review. And, and you know, going from 15 <laughs> minutes to once every 12 months is uh, pretty crazy. So I think that ability for me, I came into organizations and I felt comfortable to point out, like, how can we create efficiencies here? How can we make this better? Like, why is that not good enough? And, and I guess that was a shock to some yes. people, you know, they were like, I said, I mentioned the other day, like in my first ever performance review, because I really care about what people think and making sure people feel comfortable and happy and it's a big thing for me. But in my first ever performance review, someone called me brash and that really stung because I was like, oh wow. And it took me two, three months to absorb and, and make sense of it. And I think actually I realized I wasn't necessarily being brash, I was just being honest. Mm. And I guess that's what sport teaches you to do. If you're honest and we're in this and you've got that respect and trust, like this received in a positive way, it moves us forward quicker. You know, and that just wasn't something that we were, we were used to in, I guess, in the culture I experienced at the outset. So, yeah, those things were quite big for me. And I think that's even more difficult for British people, probably, because you like to be like so polite and around, like you beat around the bush. Yeah. And we were just like, yeah. I mean, even Germans would be just like in your face and Dutch even worse. So yeah. you, you came from that exactly. Dutch culture of like, yeah. bam, bam, bam. Um, if you don't know, like, if you've never experienced that, you're like, what's happening? But it's, it's again, like Sarah said, this is like, we need that. And yes. we kind of, we even though sometimes it's not delivered in the best possible way, I know I need that feedback because that will ultimately make me better. So I'm actually grateful for it, right? So even if I don't agree with it, I, I'll say thank you, take away and then see what else do I want to, what do I want to pick of that? Yeah. But if I don't say thank you and if I don't react in a good way, you're not going to give me feedback again. Mm. But I need you to give me feedback because you're my outside ears and eyes that I clearly didn't have in that situation. So I agree with you and in, in, I started working for one of these big consultancies after one of the Olympics and that was just the biggest shock of like not having any feedback, whether that's positive or constructive, <laughs> negative, right? So I was like, what was happening here? Right? And that's like one of the big consultancies, like it's so hard to get in here. I was like, hello, like, yeah. what, what? So I started giving feedback to everyone else to be like, you know, and then suddenly I was like, oh, right. Oh. And then and then you kind of get into that, okay, I can give you feedback then as well. So yeah, thank you, you know, it's just like, yes. or even actively, proactively asking for it in, in a positive way, right? I wanna get better. And, if I'm not doing right, like that, just tell me now and not in six months in the yeah. performance review. Yeah. Um, and that I think that's kind of how you have to start doing it because if I don't, yeah, role model it or even 
ask for it. And again, if I'm a leader, mm. my team will not give me feedback if I'm not, if I can't show them like this is, I want it and yes. this is okay to give it to me as well. I actually had one of the partners of that consultancy speak to me early on in that role as well. He's like, I just wanted to check in with you. Like, how is it for you to be in a job where you're maybe not the best at yet because you, you used to be like in the top of your game. And, and it was a real concern for them. And I was like, well, this, this is, this is what we love, right? We love having a challenge, a goal, and we know how to work hard and learn really quickly, right? And so if we're not, we weren't born in that position. In that, yes. we, we, like it's hard work and it's also actually hard work to stay at that level as well. So I was like, no, no, this is, you know, we're, I'm exactly where I'm meant to be, but I need someone like, you know, to help me get there. But it's funny, it's just different mindsets. And even to this day, we work a lot with these organizations to like help them to just give feedback and it can be 30 seconds in a really nice, easy way. And it doesn't have to be this, Oh my god i've got a feedback meeting today it's like mm. red in your calendar and everyone's panicking already it's just like yeah great have you, do you have something that can make me better we always speak about it if you if you find something that could make you even better and you're already at such a high level of performance then we call it a champagne moment right we pop the champagne this is an opportunity for me to be even better because yeah. i hadn't seen this and yes if i do this you know where would it take me yeah but it's a completely different mindset to putting the wall up we're like oh don't tell me anything I'm, I'm great so yeah I think that's the biggest difference for me as well for sure yeah as athletes you become attuned I guess to just find it everything that can make you you know that one percent better like what is it what is it you know you become hypersensitive to that and I guess in organizations sometimes in my experience people are comfortable you know mm. you're just like this is this is my destiny and I'm comfortable and you know I, I'm happy with that and for me it was like no, how can we make it better? Yes. You know, I actually funnily remember when I went into an organization, the first project I did, I called it Project Gold. Like, how can we get this to like gold medal standards? You know, like what would that look like? And how can data drive us and help us get there? So I think, yeah, that kind of uh, being attuned and being hypersensitive to things like in the environment and with people, like what can we do? How can we elevate everything mm. we touch, you know, and get excited about that? It's definitely it, like it, the growth mindset as well, isn't it? Yeah. I was just going to say, it obviously comes with that mindset. And I, for example, I grew up with an older brother and a younger sister. So if you grow up with an older brother, you learn quite quickly, things won't always go your way. In fact, they never <laughs> go your way, right? So from an early age, I always had to find that next person that makes me a bit faster, a bit quicker, a bit smarter to keep up with him because I just adored him so much. I wanted to, I wanted be, to be like, able to play yes. with him and be yeah. keep up. So it's kind of, it's not even a, an Olympic mindset. It's just, for me, that came really early. Yeah. Um, but it's obviously through sport, it just got, yeah, intensified, I guess, to like always find the next thing but it's it's yeah we we have as one of our values at unthink we call it um don't be a six out of ten right we don't want to settle for a six a six is not bad like no one ever got fired Mediocre. for being a sex, yeah. six but nothing great ever came of it either and it's mm. and it's again i think the people that go to work because it's i need to earn money and that's the only purpose of work for me then they're probably happy with a six yeah but the ones who are out for you know, I'm connected to my purpose. I want to achieve something. I want to have a challenge and, and fix it. They, they they try to go for a nine or 10. And that's that mindset you need to, yeah, actually really, really accelerate. But it's it's actually, we work with some organizations where they earn so, so much money. They don't have to work and they're still there because mm. they want to crack the code. They want to, and that's so great to see because yeah. they just want to be the best at what they can do. And it's not about just financial rewards anymore. It's about just right. being the, yeah, getting better every day. And yeah. that's really exciting. You've mentioned obviously unthink which is your incredible business that you guys have have built and created what was the genesis of unthink how did that moment come to you both honestly we we were eating pizza 
Um, <laughs> do, we as we do. Yeah, we always do our best thinking before pizza. We always say that. Um, but Ross, the other co-founder, we were eating pizza with him and we're just like, things can be better. This industry has done what it's done for such a long period of time and it worked at a certain point, but people learn in different ways. Like if you're a consumer now, you don't just want to consume a good. Mm -hmm. You want it, you know, to learn the story about it. You yes. want it to evoke emotion. You want it to be a memorable experience. And no longer do you just want to be a spectator to it. You want to be a participant, right? And so all of this was kind of thrashing through our minds for like years, I think, before that. But it kind of culminated. And honestly, it sounds again very cliche, but we just drew it on a pizza box there and then on this Friday evening. And it, you know, a month or six weeks later, we, Yana was like, yeah, let's try it. And Ross and I were like, no way can we do something so quickly? And it was like, six weeks later, sure enough, there we go. And um, yeah, we, we did this um, cross-organizational program and it was a time of COVID and people, I think, were really looking for connection. And, you know, and I think it brought that as well. So people from all over the world came together to discuss like, what does it mean to unthink? And, and also, you know, in terms of leadership, what does that mean, you know? We talk about it, you know, every contact leaves a trace and what trace are we leaving on this world and how can we imprint ourselves in a really positive way and, and be mindful of that. And so, um, yeah, it was exciting to kind of do that so quickly, even though we kind of probably had no right to be doing it so quickly, I guess. I think you guys have been able to garner all of these skills throughout both of your careers, harness them and kind of execute with unthinking. <laughs> It kind of in this program and I think it's incredible what you guys are doing with mm. some of like the best organizations in the yeah. world which says a lot about where we are mm. you know and, the, and their appetite yeah. to want to change and to mm. think differently what would you say has been like one of the highlights for you both kind of in the build of this business well I think there's some clients which is a highlight where we sometimes have to pinch ourselves and we're like oh my god we're working with these amazing companies but I think the biggest thing for us is just actually seeing it come off and work so well and seeing how people come in and they like what are we doing and they're cynical and then they walk away buzzing and they just can't get enough of it and just for us to see like this is actually this is what we thought that was needed it is needed yeah. and it it will only get more right because we people will only get more frustrated with the old school training that i've had and and the generation getting into that age group of you know being privy to that training they'll be even more like us and be like i don't want to you know have the same training my parents used to have so i think that's for us always like a those moments where we're like, yes, this is, we're doing the right thing here. This is, you know, meant to be. Um, so that's just, even on Tuesday, we had another one of these moments again, like, yeah, that's just why we started in the first place. And it's just, you're actually changing people's lives in a, in a tiny way, but mm. having, if you've got a better leader, those people who are being led by that leader, they've got a better life. They go home happy. You know, it's just, it's got that ripple effect where you feel like in our small way that we can, we're actually changing, like ho hopefully the yeah. world, like, or the working world or actually the world, and um, for the better. So I think that's always nice to see and just really warms our heart. Equally, if something, and there's always someone who's got some feedback or like critics, right? And we need that. But it's also, we always, it's hard to not take it so personal, right? Because we put our love into it and our, our passion and energy. And if someone can't see what we meant with things right away, we sometimes are like, but this is so obvious and that's how we meant it. But uh, equally, again, that's, they are the little bits that then get us going and sort of our fuel for growth as well. But no, it's a, what was it, what is it for you, sir? So I always think about like my dad worked extremely hard to kind of provide for us and he did a job for like 20, 25 years. He hated 
because the manager was so awful. And that kind of always stuck in my mind, right? So I'm in an industry now where, you know, you're developing managers. And I get to a point where I feel like we're not developing them as much as we should be or could be. And what about, you know, my dad being on the other side of that? So for me, it's like helping people understand you can learn and have fun at the same time. And so, you know, we talk about connecting the dots between people learning and experiences, right? So quite simply, big organizations who do leadership and culture will look at the people and learning elements. And then you've got like your events agencies who look at experiences and people, right? But there's no trifecta and that's where we come in because you know, the ability to bring memorable experiences to people so that they can learn and access that memory is critical and have fun. Mm. Like get people to go away with a smile on their face, go back into work, you know, re-energized, excited about what they do and tapping into that purpose again to excite the people around them and enable other people around them to have fun. We work so much, like we better off to enjoy it, you know. You, so you, work a th- you spend a third of your life at work. Yeah, well, you it's crazy. Ma- you better make this a really nice place you to know, be yes. like an enjoyable yeah. one. It's just like, yeah, so I think, and we have, you know, we have this saying where we say we're for everyone, but not anyone, like, and that's the reality. We're not going to please everyone with the approach that we have, but, you know, the ability to work as, you know, you know with the likes of like Apple, SAP and P&G, Microsoft, like it's incredible, right, to, to have those relationships, those interactions. And, and at the start, I think we pulled it together and there's that little bit of doubt going, are we crazy? Because if this worked, like surely someone would be doing it, yeah. right? Like, yeah. and then you first do it and then you get the feedback and you're like, hold on, like Apple's telling us this really works. Mm. Like, wow, you know, like we've got something special here. So yeah, holding on to that belief every time there's maybe a cynicism or a bit of doubt about the approach, I think it's just, yeah, holding on to that belief that, yeah, this works. And I think over the time you also realize that every partner we work with they before the first session they're like but our people are really really smart and they're Mm. so good and they expect like apple obviously they they expect the world from you we could give them gold and they wouldn't be you know yeah enough yeah and we had that session it was amazing right Mm. and then you had quarters in a better sea power station with that team and and we obviously had all these like they had told us like everything about that group and we got in and they were great like they were so engaging they had Mm. the best conversations they had such great takeaways um and afterwards everyone's i think they had probably the po- most positive feedback for yep. such a session like that they've ever had but it's um yeah so that's that's a nice bit for the belief wall to be like mm. yeah we're doing something really right but i think what we also again unthought in this whole process is we're not going in and just showing an olympic medal and telling our story which is a nice story but it's like yeah i touched a medal but then kind of so what what does it mean for my life and my role so even even then we we obviously share bits of our story but we make it so tangible that everyone is like oh this is actually me in my role and can take it away and then we get them to do something with it as well. Yeah. So they don't just sit back and relax and listen. We get them to experience little things as depending on how much time we have and what we can do, but then also to have these conversations and yeah, speak about the things you, you never speak about or never reflect on. And I think that's kind of that, that combination, which is really unique. Plus in that case, I mean, we've got male, male team members as well, but in that case, two women doing that as well mm. in our age and not just you know, another football legend from like, who won something in 1970, still doing the same keynote that he have always (laughs) done. So it's, I think like, yeah, also not never settling for what we thought this is already good. We always find the next little bit, like how can we make it even better? Again, like don't be a six. All right, so we have a lot of listeners who are typically in the early phases Mm -hmm. of their career, either looking to get their first job or perhaps they are managers also then looking to navigate and take that leap to leader. What would you say is some, I guess, gold nuggets, pieces of advice to be in that 1% and not just kind of follow that traditional path, but what would you say from kind of some of those learnings and building this company 
um, that can help our listeners. Yeah, nice. Lots of ideas. How much time do we have? (laughs) I think the first thing for me is um, having been in a sport performance and now, you know, being privy to a number of different organizations who are truly high performing. Like the unthink mindset is having like high agency. And by that, I mean like, you know, lots of energy, lots of curiosity, determination, this, this little ember within you that wants to fire up because it, it wants to do more, yeah. it genuinely does, right? And so I think that mindset is amazing, but alongside that, it's great to have the mindset, you have to do something with it, mm-hmm. right? And I think the, the most successful people like are not only high agency, they're high action. And so I would say, you know, just if you've got an idea, don't just think about that idea. Like I was, oh, surely someone else is doing this if it worked, right? Like just try it, yeah. right? Because one of the other things we talk around a lot, one of our values is about like a dirt track mindset. So our brains are wired like a highway. They go from A to B based on our experiences and whatever's the fastest route. We're, we're typically as humans lazy. But a dirt track, you know, those connections aren't as straight lined and you don't really know what's around the next corner and it's a bit, you know, mm. off feet and you get around the next corner, you're like, oh, I got there and it's exciting and it's not as bad as I thought and I'm out of my comfort zone, but it's okay, yeah. you know? And so there's that element as well. So don't just think about it, do it. But equally, when you do it, recognize that you're gonna have to take yourself out of your comfort zone. And one step in front of the other means that you get more excited actually and more yes. curious as the journey goes ahead, I think. Because, um, yeah, just sitting on a great idea yeah, it took no one anywhere, ultimately. I think it's also like something that we both probably both did in our lives is always asking yourself the question of like, why not? Because often we're like, oh, we could do this and could do that, but I don't do it because I'm, you know, yes, because whatever. And then I was like, but what could happen? Like, wh- why not? The worst thing that can happen is that you get a no. Mm-hmm. But then at least I know this is a no instead of thinking the whole time, maybe this is that an option or is it yeah. not an option? And again, it's it's so simple it's just often just sending that one email or asking that one question or asking that person can we meet for coffee or can we you know and again and then you get a no but it's no one will be like how dare you ask me some most of the time actually they say yes of course right yeah. and we didn't the doors are like half open and we just don't dare to walk through them mm. and because we again with women mostly with women because mm. they just have so much self-doubt and so much going on in their head before they even got to ask that what's question behind that, that door yes. yeah like yeah the fear of yeah if you don't it. like what's behind that door you go come back out right yeah. but at least just have a look yeah. around the corner first but and it's really good that actually i'm more of a worrier like yeah. i haven't got that natural mindset to just like i always think about what what could happen and the risk behind that but i've tried that approach more recently and it's been so successful mm. i was just you know if i don't ask i'll never know and yeah. this is kind of been brave for me but let's go and then the response was like you should be brave more often. Yeah. and i was like oh right <laughs> you know it actually works so i think yes yeah, really good yeah. mindset to have and it's even yes reaching out to people we have like amazing speakers and met so many fantastic people just because we just got in touch and not even asking for something but saying like i just read this like i love this article thank you so much for yeah. sharing yeah. right yeah. if i received that i would be really happy of about course. that's really nice yeah. but we forget that they, it's also nice for yeah. them right you're not yeah. i'm not selling them something i'm not asking for something i just want to share like yeah by the way you look great today yes oh thanks you know it's so easy to make people smile and again probably 90 percent of the time you get a positive response yeah if as long as it's obvious that you're not doing this, I've got the same email for 100 people, right? We need yeah. to find something personal, have that connection bit in there where it's like, okay, you actually put the effort into finding out who am I and, and you know, what did I do and not just being the same. Oh, I get so many spam emails every day and sometimes I respond, I was like, did you actually look at what we're doing? Because yeah. we're doing the exact same. <laughs> it's just like, sometimes I just want to call it out, yeah. right? It's like, yeah. Um, but yeah, most of the time you just have to, like, why not? Just yeah. try. I love that. So what's next for you guys now that obviously you're, on this trajectory, that hockey stick trajectory, <laughs> not yeah, not for the pun, but what's next for Unthink? 
I think for us mainly is to continue doing what we're doing, but just, yeah, evolve it, elevate it. You know, it can always be better. We're, we're always conscious of that. Like, how do we do that? And just getting more people to unthink, like that, that is the ambition. Like, it, you know, if we can get this mindset out there and people can actually realize like learning is fun and, mm-hmm. you know, we can have so, we can have so many cool experiences together. Um, I think that's the ambition is just broadening that reach now, you know, with people who have the mindset to want to do it. Yeah. And equally, when they have that experience with us, they go and do something differently and impact other people's lives in a positive way. That, that, that truly gets me excited. The about The ripple effect. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Like, yeah. what are we creating here, you know? And yeah. and yeah, I think that's the, the biggest thing. And to keep coming up with cool and crazy ideas that we you know we've always said we want to be like the secret cinema of learning you know the ability to come up with with new and crazier fun ideas where people feel wholly immersed in the experience and it feels elevated is is an ambition for sure i think we've got really cool projects coming up but what i always enjoy about us is that we sit down and we try to plan the year ahead what what might happen and actually if you look back a year later maybe half actually happened and half like we wouldn't have even hoped for expected thought ever thought of that this might happen Mm -hmm. so i think it's always for us also exciting Mm -hmm. to see like what is next because there's only so much we can control right sometimes we don't know there's an rfp option sometimes someone reaches out out of the blue and says i saw you somewhere someone told me about that so it's it's just really exciting to see um, what happens next but i think in general like we invested even more into our creative director now to have the ability to have film and and photos and just bring these things alive and yeah. just even on LinkedIn with our our brand and partnerships um, person start doing an amazing job and everyone says like it stands out so much because it's so different because we just, it really does yeah yeah also just like take the piss a little bit and just be funny mm-hmm. and just call things out and and have good content and good thinking so yeah. it's that mix of yeah trying to stir that up a little bit and just trying to bring it alive and just spread the word as much as we can actually if you're walking around london these days you will see a lot of spray pen paint on the floor but like i'm thinking <laughs> curiosity curiosity wait, wait, so yes, keep nice. your eyes on the road yeah. but yeah. yeah i think there's always it never gets boring like i say we can probably plan for the next three months but then it could be completely different next year and i think for me personally that's yeah. exciting for you it might yeah. be a bit more oh yeah. but it's yeah it's, yeah, it's, it's funny. always fun because when i finished hockey I, I noticed that even on a sunday evening my brain would go okay what are your goals for this week how are you going to get there like naturally and i you know i'd even have them pinned next to my bed and and when i started working that n- never went away yeah and I was really conscious of like just drawing these things up and actually I wouldn't look at them for a while and then I'd go back and go, oh, wow, like I've hit all these things, you know, and, and it's the same really with, with what we're doing with Unthink. You know, we have like a year ago, we were all in on this and kind of said, right, this is what we want to get to. And they were like, oh, we got there. And it's just like, yeah, I yeah. think having that kind of goal of like, what is it I want to achieve and why do I want to get there? What's it going to bring me? How's it going to mm. serve me? Um, and is it going to make me be my best? Yeah. You know, back to that thing of doing something you love with the people you love and being successful is like, yeah, it's hugely, hugely important. I think either Privilege. way, I'm excited to see kind of what happens for Unthink because I think awesome. it's going to go on to great things, even better than today. And I just want to thank you for letting us walk in your shoes because I think you're both remarkable, like incredible. And I just love both of your energy. And uh, I know that your stories will have impacted our listeners and also just the advice that you've given as well has been really incredible thank you so much for just taking the time and sharing your story honestly loved it love what you're doing and love your energy also it gives us uh, so much and we just walk away with massive smiles on our faces so appreciate it yeah thanks Lamise I think you're the true unthinker so you've we found another <laughs> yeah. one here yeah. so <laughs> definition of an unthinker Lamise but yeah you know, like, <laughs>